Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Beautiful Behavior Podcast. I am your host, Diane Sorensen, certified life coach, hypnotherapy practitioner, mother, grandmother, and human fascinated with behavior and how to live our best life. My goal is to offer you another perspective, to see behavior in ourselves, our children, and others from another angle. This podcast is for anyone who wants to feel more connected in their relationships. It's for anyone who feels the pull for something more. It's for parents and those who are not. This podcast is for anyone who wants to take a deeper look because this is where we talk about breaking generational patterns and outdated cultural beliefs, cultivating deeper connections in our life, and leading our life with more confidence and clarity. And I believe that's when beautiful behavior comes into focus. You can learn more about my process, me, and the three different ways in which beautiful behavior could come into focus for you at my website at diannesorensen.net. That's D-I-A-N-E-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N.net. Okay, listeners, let's go. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another week and another episode. So I'm excited today to have a guest with us, and I haven't had a guest on the podcast for a little bit, so I'm thrilled to Um, share Shannon Brown with you today. So Shannon is a licensed therapist and relationship coach with over 20 years of experience. And Shannon has a passion about keeping couples together. So welcome, Shannon, and thank you for taking the time to be here. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah. So Can you tell us, um, tell the audience a little bit about um, your relationship coaching and what you mean about keeping couples together? So in my relationship coaching, what I'm really focused on and sort of niche down on right now is the infidelity coaching. So I have a program that I developed that just helps couples recover after there's been cheating infidelity affairs in the relationship. And that's what um, I am geared towards right now, what my program is geared towards at this point. And so I love being able to walk alongside these couples and help them to rejoin and reconnect after there's been this very big, obviously, disruption in the relationship. Yeah, that is amazing. So how did you come to have a passion for this niche down infidelity um, area? Can you share that? In my practice currently that I've been in for, like you said, um, about 20 years, it is something that I have found that's uh, very prevalent. There's a prevalence of it. There is a lot that comes in my door almost I would, I would say almost on a weekly, sometimes even daily basis, mm-hmm. the new couples that come in, 
that is one of the things that just seems to be uh, brought to the table. And so I found myself working with these couples constantly. And I also realized that I was saying a lot of the same things. There was a lot of education around it. There was a lot of couples would, would be falling into some of the same traps afterwards when they were trying on their own to recover. And so I found myself again, just educated. Well, okay, these are the things we do and these are the things we don't do. And here's, here's what we want to have happen and here's what we don't. And there was just a lot of, again, education and guiding and kind of providing a roadmap for people. And I found myself just repeating the same things because this is what they needed to hear. And, and I, it occurred to me, these couples don't know this stuff. They don't know what they don't know. They, they've never been here before. They've never been in this traumatic situation before. So I found um, that that was happening so much that when I decided to branch out and do the coaching piece, I thought this could be a real, a real, this is a real need to just be able to provide again, this framework and this path for folks to go down. Every situation of course has their own differences and nuances and those types of things. But it really, I saw it as sort of this two-pronged thing. We really need to have all this education and know what to do. And, and that, again, that roadmap and guidance. And we need to talk about the specific things that has been going on in their particular relationship that needed to be drilled down on as well. So you saw a growing need for support in this area. Yes, I saw that a lot. Mm -hmm. And so... You're talking about some patterns, um, traps, you call them. So can you share a little bit on what are the patterns that you were seeing or the traps that people were getting into? So a lot of times when, say you just found out that your partner cheated, the the trauma, of course, of it all, it's so painful, so devastating, which needs to be addressed. But the trap that you get yourself in as the betrayed partner is that you start to go on the attack. So there was just a lot of um, just, just going at um, their partner in a very aggressive way, lots of peppering of a thousand questions, normal and okay, but unfortunately, when that happens in such a aggressive way, it automatically causes the faithful partner, their partner, to shut down, which perpetuates that cycle of feeling abandoned and unloved. And because now they're not, they're feeling attacked. So they're, they're either getting very defensive and so of course saying things like, could you stop talking about this? This is ridiculous. I already, we already went through this you know, 10 times. Why are you continuing to ask me all these questions? I've already told you everything. So there's a lot of maybe just defensiveness and, and sort of dismissiveness. Whereas the other person again is just in so much pain that they're just continuing to, to hammer this, their partner with all of the emotions and all of the questions. So that 
that right there is is definitely a a big hole that I see couples getting into and they just don't know how to navigate that. Yeah, I can imagine I can imagine there would be a lot of blame, right? Blame and shame and and then that becomes that spiral that they just go down. Both of them are going down in their, yeah, their blame and their shame and their guilt and their all of it. Yeah. So how, well, maybe let me ask this. So why do you think infidelity happens? Or well, go ahead. Yeah. Why why do you why do you think this happens? Or um, yeah, what would you what would you say to that? Obviously, there's a lot of reasons why people cheat. And of course, there's the rare occasions where it's a sex addiction or there's some sort of, um, there's something happening. Um, you know, I've seen cases where it's, it's become something that they do to each other. Like they're both cheating and it becomes this reoccurring thing, right? Those, that's rare. I see those as kind of rare outliers. I, what I, what I see most of the time, one of the things is low self-esteem. I see this, this not, you know, just not feeling good about self in for some reason, whether it's, there's been a loss, maybe there's a loss of job. Maybe there's even a loss of a family member or a friend. So there's just losses in general, or maybe there's um, just a, just a sense of they're not doing what they should be doing in their in their unit. For instance, men, if they don't have if they don't have a job, if they're struggling to just feel good about themselves in that way, so maybe they're gonna they're going to be more vulnerable to getting sort of their ego fed right? By someone that's coming along. So do you find it's more of an, um, an unhappiness for lack of the better word with the partner or with themselves? With themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time I see it when we really peel away the onion, we find someone who's not really feeling good about themselves for whatever reason. And again, it could be a long-standing issue, maybe just a, an issue where they were sort of maybe taught to maybe seek approval from outside, mm-hmm. you know, outside people, of yeah. outside of themselves, and that gets perpetuated into their adult lives and they're seeking that approval again from maybe someone of the opposite sex and they may not even realize it but they do know that when it happens it feels good yeah and it feels kind of addicting to some to some degree at times mm-hmm. yeah i i think often we get to this place in our adult life and we've checked off all the boxes, right? We've checked off all the societal boxes of 
okay, I, you know, I, I have the marriage, I have the kids, I have the house, I have the career, but there's still this feeling of why aren't I happy then? Because I did all the things. Um, and so do you, do you find that sometimes, I mean, you know, a lot of times we don't listen to that nudge of, I just, I don't feel happy. What is, you know, it, it's almost like, what is wrong with me? Um, you know, I've, I've got all this stuff. What, it, why can't I just be happy? And it's more about, you know, we've given, I don't know. I think a lot of times, like you said, we are looking for approval. So we've almost sometimes, I think, created the life that we thought we were supposed to have. Um, that society says, well, this is the life. Um, and then we get there and we're like, okay, I don't think this is it. And so I think sometimes we try to look away from that in whatever we do. I think a lot of times it's um, we turn to food to um, soothe that feeling, or we turn to um, shopping, uh, over shopping, overeating, over whatever it is. And I think maybe, and you can, you can tell me what you think about this, but I'm wondering if a way to numb that out is also having an affair. Sure. Yeah, I, I think so. Because again, and, and, and I, I want to say this, I don't think people just wake up and say, you know, I think I'm going to go have an affair today. Right, right. Really? Or, or I think I'm going to numb my feelings with food today or shop. I mean, I don't. Yeah. Any, right, right, right. And we just find ourselves and I'm not saying people don't make decisions. It's not a justification for the behavior. But I do feel like they people be, before they know it, they find themselves on a slippery slope. So they're working side by side with somebody at work and that person's giving them kudos, um, saying how great they are in some way or another. And they're just, it starts to feel really good. And again, even at that point, they're not thinking, oh, I'm gonna have an affair. They're just thinking, oh, this feels really good. And time goes on and more and more is spoke about. And then maybe they're starting to share a little bit about their personal lives and here we go, right? Hey, and then before hey. you know it, you've crossed a line. And it's like, wait, oh, hold on, what just happened? <laughs> right? yeah. I, I, you're, you're there before you even know you're there sometimes. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, yeah. So I can really see that from that perspective, but I also think it's, you know, when, when you've had a partner who has cheated and, you know, people say, well, it's more about them than it is about you. It's not, you're not doing, you know, it's like, how can that be? I mean, you know, it feels so much like it's all about me. Like I wasn't good enough. So- how do you help a partner recover from that? Yeah, I think that that's exactly, they. It, this is what's ironic about it is that you've got the person who may have had low self-esteem that found themselves getting fulfilled by this flattering relationship over here on the side with their affair partner. And then what ends up happening is their partner, their, their primary partner ends up having a self-esteem issue now, <laughs> really feeling like, they're not good enough uh, because their partner did this to them. And then they may go into their own story 
right? Because they, we we also expect when we're when we get married or we have this primary partner, we expect that they're going to sort of fulfill everything for us sometimes, right? Mm. They're going to make, they're going to, they're going to fill all those gaps where we don't feel good about ourselves. We don't feel confident. And again, getting our value, our value uh, from that person. And so then this is really devastating then, because if, if that's what I thought this person who I put on this pedestal was going to be this person for me, and then they went out and chose somebody else, at least that's how I think. Um, they've gone out and chose somebody else over me. Wow. How right. Again, just mind-blowingly traumatic. And so now, yeah, you're left, your self-esteem is left in shambles. So so this is where in, in my program, one of the things I like to have couples do is really look at themselves. Like this is an opportunity to really look at ourselves, how, how, what, how did we see our, our partner? Who did we see them to be? Did we see them as the end all be all, the person that was fulfilling us in all ways? And we were, we were getting our, our, our sense of value in the world met. Um, and, and maybe we need to make, you know, create some, some change in that. It's again, an opportunity for looking at, looking inside of ourselves, like, wait, what's been going on here underneath the surface that neither one of us knew. And the, the affair just becomes a symptom of a deeper issue, which it always is, but we can start to frame it that way. And that's really hard for a betrayed partner to get there, but that's, that's my goal with with those folks is like let's get you to a place where you can really see beyond just this person betrayed you i mean that's huge don't want to miss that or invalidate that or minimize that at all but we also want to look at some of the deeper underlying yeah and i think you brought up such a uh important point of how we tend to um put our happiness on other people. Like, oh, you're going to make me happy or any feelings for that matter. Um, you know, we tend to have learned that other people make us happy or sad or mad and that they need to change and do something so that we feel okay. And then vice versa. Like we're supposed to not upset anybody. We're supposed to, you know, be a certain way. So nobody gets upset. And so really essentially we're taking care of other people's feelings. We expect them to take care of our feelings and nobody's really owning their own feelings. <laughs> right. It's like, there's a lot of boundary crossing happening. Yes. Yes. And so let's talk about that. Being you brought it up boundaries. Um, and I think one of the biggest boundaries that i love to talk about is so essential um, and so foundational is that owning your own feelings, right? That this is how I feel and that's mine to connect to, it's mine to manage and I'm capable of that. And then also, I think the other side of that is letting go of 
trying to manage other people's feelings. And, you know, I see this a lot with um, parents and children, and you probably see it, you know, a lot with couples. Um, I mean, it's all over the place, but I, I think that is, that is one of the things that I teach um, parents is that, that the seeds of responsibility are really when we can own our own feelings and allow them to own theirs. Um, and yes. them capable of that. So, and, and I think you, you know, that's kind of a emotional boundary. Um, I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of different types of boundaries, but what would you? Yeah. And what's coming up for me is like someone who, you know, cheats, they are again, they're getting something fulfilled. They're getting, you know, I've, it's, 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 it's potato chips. It's not meat and vegetables, right? It's, it's not, mm -hmm. not really nourishing, fulfilling, long lasting. It's, it's a quick fix. It's, it feels really good for that short term. And I think we're not realizing that, yeah, we do have some needs that we need to, to get fulfilled within our relationship. We're not taking responsibility. Maybe we're not even aware of them and we're not taking ownership of those and going to our partner and saying, you know, I kind of need more time with you or, you know, I, you know, I need for us to spend, you know, you know, sp spend more time together, or I'm needing more, some more affection from you. You know, you were not owning the emotions and then going to our partner and saying, Hey, I think what I need is this, but, but then it, but then we we're, we're out and about and it shows up in this other way. And it's like, Oh, that feels good. You know, and then we start just going after that versus again, stopping. It's like, wait, what is this actually fulfilling that I, I really again need to own and explore within myself. And then again, go and share with my partner. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how would you, you know, how does one recover from that infidelity? I know that's like, you know, a huge question, but what, you know, what could you give us a little bit of um, hope that, you know, you can recover from this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's a tagline for me is that I, I, you know, I feel like there is always hope if we have two people that are willing to have both feet in the door, willing to own their pieces. Again, the, you know, the, the betrayed partner doesn't own the behavior of the unfaithful. They have to fully own, they made that decision. Uh, there's no justification for that. Okay, and- you, could, you, could, you, could you just repeat what you just said? Uh, <laughs> Something about the one person doesn't own the other ones. Well, they, the, the betrayed partner does not own the behavior of the unfaithful partner. They made the choice to go out and get their needs met in that way. I think that is so, that is a very powerful statement, I think, because we make it meet, 
right? We make it mean something about us. If that has happened, we make that mean something about us. Totally, totally. And again, we go into our own story in our head about somehow I wasn't good enough. I didn't do the thing. I wasn't providing enough affection or sex or I wasn't whatever the thing is. What did I not do or do that provoked this? Right. So I think that was a really powerful statement that you do not own the actions of that person. Exactly. And if that person, again, did need more time with you, I'm just using that as an example, because maybe you've been overly absorbed in work or the kids or your hobby or your friends, and you literally have been ignoring your partner. That doesn't give your partner justification to go out and cheat. What they need to be doing again is like, hey, what, what do I need? Again, I'm, I miss this person. I'm feeling lonely. I haven't, this person's absorbed in all these activities. I need to go to them and tell them and share that with them and ask for what I need. I need more time with you, you know? And, and that's again, doesn't, that's what I, that's where I do the kind of in my affair uh, prevention stuff. I, I like to talk about that. Um, on my IG account and stuff, this, we, we really need to have a lot of awareness about the vulnerability factors of an affair. And one of them is just simply not staying in touch with, with what's going on with ourselves and what's going on in the relationship. Are we even connected? Are we child focused? Right? I mean, yeah. you and I need that a lot. I think that's a big one too. What do I need? Because I think Oftentimes we lose that along the way. You know, what do I need? Well, you know, I don't even know what I need um, sometimes. And in, or do I have the right to want this? You know, I think so much of the time we learn to give, 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 take care of the other person. And we don't tend to ask for what we need or even be connected to what we need. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think we just go under the assumption that you're just going to provide all my needs and you're just going to fulfill me in all my ways. And I don't really have to even state what I need. I just, you're just going to, you're just going to fulfill it. And then when you don't, I'm mad at you. (laughs) Great. Great. I think, yeah, we've somehow come to this well, or even, well, I don't want to have to tell them what, what I, you know, they should just know, or, you know, (laughs) Absolutely. You know, I've worked with, you know, a couple, you know, sometimes in, um, you know, I remember one person in particular said, well, you had asked me about, do I tell them this is what I want? And so I didn't. And so I did. And then they're like, oh, and then they fulfilled it. (laughs) She's like, it seems so simple, but yet, you know, it's not some of our automatic programming to ask for what we want. Yeah, because I think we we grow up sometimes in these in these families where boundaries are just crossed all over the place. There's so much, I hate to use this word, but I mean, a codependency type stuff, enabling type stuff, right? Yes. So um, it, there's just so much of that, and so yeah, we we take that along into our into our relationships with our partners or husbands, wives, and we have a lot of just unspoken expectations. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think what I have found in my life and not around this subject, but just in general, that when I own up to whatever it is, when I own a, maybe a mistake or a decision or whatever that is, that is so freeing rather than trying to hide behind, you know, whatever, like, you know, I'm, I'm not this kind of person or, um, you know, we get all these stories in our heads, but just owning um, that, yeah, I may have made a hurtful choice or a mistake. Um, and I think coming out of hiding is just so freeing. And I know it is also scary because then you're afraid of reactions from other people. Um, okay. Again, I think we need to hold other people capable of their own upset or whatever. I, I don't know. Am I making sense here? Or am I just rambling? <laughs> no, it makes sense. And I think that, yeah, I think that it, there's so much of not that not happening. We're not we're not owning our own upset. We're saying you're, you're, it's your fault that I'm upset. <laughs> right. And then we go back to the blame. Yeah. And defense. Instead of, wait a minute, what have I, again, what have I needed? What have I not told you that I needed? I didn't give you an opportunity to even meet the need. I'm just going to be mad at you because you didn't meet it. And you didn't, again, that unspoken expectation was not met. And now I'm mad at you. Right. And then that can be that can be a reason or a justification in, in, in a person's mind for an affair. Like I get to, you know, my my wife hasn't been paying attention to me enough. So I'm going to go seek it somewhere else. I mean, that's that's a that's a thing. But that's again, that's not owning. That's not saying, wait a minute. Right. So what would you say to the one who did the cheating? I mean, what would you say to them? Well, first of all, I would say to them, you have got to hang in there with your partner through the ups and downs. You have to provide reassurance. You have to have, dis there has to be full disclosure. You have to answer all the questions, maybe two, three, maybe 15 times. And that's normal. There's also, again, that's part of what I mean by the education is I educate the unfaithful partner. You, you've got a job here uh, to, to, to help with this process of trust building, reconnection, repair. You damaged your partner and your relationship. And it's your, it, it, the ball's in your court to really do some, some, self-discovery uh, as well. What happened? What were the stuff that we've been talking about? What happened for you? Did you, do, do you have some self-esteem issues? Do you have some loss issues? Do you have, what, what is going on for you? What, what story did you tell yourself? How did you give yourself permission to go forward with this? Uh, again, the whole story. You need to know your story because you need to share that with your partner. Your partner needs to know your story because that's going to give them something that they can grab onto and say, okay, 
now that you get it, you know your story, you know the you know the inner workings, you know the underlying reasons as to why you did great. Now that helps me, that gives us something we can work on to know that it's not going to happen again. I like that. Know your story. Because sometimes maybe we don't even know how 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 did I get here? Right. So I love that. Know your story. And what would you say to the partner who has been cheated on? Well, first of all, telling them to give, give themselves a lot of grace, you know, give themselves time to, to get past this. It's not going to happen overnight. We know that it can up, can take maybe upwards of a couple years sometimes. Um, so give themselves time and space to get through this. Know that it's a long haul and give their partner some grace. Cause again, their partner doesn't know what they don't know. They don't know until they start to learn, which is again, why I developed the program I did until they know what they're supposed to do that. Yeah. They are supposed to disclose. Yeah. They're supposed to sit in this pain with you and listen and validate and normalize and do all the things they don't know how to do all that so give them some grace as they're learning to sit in that with you without being defensive and shutting down and all the things that they inherently kind of want to do when you're being attacked you want to shut down when you're being attacked you want to be defense defensive so i would say to them know that you you're learning what to do and not to do, and they need to learn what to do and not to do, and that you guys have to give each other time and the space to re reconnect. Yeah. And, and of course, a lot of this isn't about you. This isn't, this is their own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe there were problems in the relationship. Now, maybe you were really child focused and you weren't giving, you know, him or her a lot of attention. Okay, sure. We want to look at that, but it isn't your fault. Again, you don't own that he or she decided to go and, and cheat. This is the route that they chose is not your fault. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of that. Yeah. And as we're talking, I'm realizing how important that emotional awareness piece is, you know, I, I do a lot of work around emotional awareness, but talking about it in this particular sense too, how important that emotional awareness is to understand really our own story, to understand what's happening within myself, you know, how am I feeling? What, you know, where is this feeling coming from? You know, do you find that it's difficult for uh, people to really connect to and feel their feelings? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that in my, my work across the board. I think Sometimes I literally have to hand someone an, a, a sheet with emotions on it and say, okay, here, here's, here's the words, pick the word. Right, right. This, because it's, it's so hard from them to articulate. This is how I'm feeling. Right. And I, I think we live in a culture where we've learned as children to suppress those emotions, right? Or that we got in trouble for having emotions. So we've just learned not to have them. And um, it just is, it gets us into, 
I think a lot of uh, territory where we don't want to end up, uh, end up really. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, yeah, that the, that being able to put language around our feelings to actually feel them in our body. Cause even as a teacher, I, I have come to realize that, you know, we talk about feelings. We, um, you know, have children label feelings, you know, and pictures and all of that. But I think the one thing that we haven't really been good at in our culture is, um, or traditionally, we haven't been good at how do we feel them? Yeah, like, where, where are they in our body? And mm -hmm. how do we connect to them? Yeah. And then be able to, because I think when we can connect to them and we can acknowledge them and then we can share them, I think that is actually, um, I think that's a way to prevent infidelity too, because now we can go again to our partner and say, here's how I'm feeling versus just going and getting that feeling or get going going and getting that that emptiness because if we're not identifying our emotions I think we just may feel empty right mm -hmm. and so we can go we go and we get that 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 feeling fulfilled or that or I'm sorry that emptiness fulfilled in those sort of uh fake feelings if you will again the potato chips like the the mm -hmm. the junk food um, because affair, the, all that emotion and all the stuff that's going on when you're caught up in an emo, in an affair is is all it's all it's not real. It's mm -hmm. like a fantasy. It's like we're in a virtual reality or in a video game or something. I mean, there's we're having all these feelings, but that's not based in anything that's real. So it's just mm -hmm. really again, it's it's fulfilling for the moment. It's like that quick hit off the crack pipe or something, right? You just it's like it's just brief, it's quick, and it's dopamine hits are happening, but it's it's yeah. it, it's not long term. It's not fulfilling, and yeah. I think that that comes when we're just not in touch with our. All we know is we don't feel good, and we want to go get that bad feel, bad feeling. Um, Out of Right. And so I think that's the work that, you know, all of us can do really is that emotional awareness work and connecting with our emotions. So, um, you know, in, in this conversation is not at all about an excuse, right? This is not an excuse. What we are hoping to do is to provide, um, what I'm hoping this will do is provide listeners with information and yes. understanding. And so Shannon, is there um, anything you want to leave the listeners with today? And then we'll also get into where they can find you. Yes, I think um, what I want to say is that if you or your partner have cheated, there is absolutely hope. It does not have to be the end of the relationship as we think it has to be. So many folks say to themselves and they say out loud, if my partner ever cheats on me, that's the end. We're done. It's over. Mm -hmm. And then you find yourself there and it's a lot more complex than that uh, for sure. And, but 
definitely, I just again want to say that there is hope. And I've seen it over and over and over. And not only is there hope that you'll recover, but you actually have the potential to have a better relationship than you had before. Mm, yeah, yeah. You really I think, do. I think this is such important work. So thank you, Shannon, so much for taking the time to be with us today. And where can people find you? Well, I can be found on Instagram where I share a lot of tips and information um, around recovery as well as, again, infidelity um, prevention. And that's reconnected underscore relationship. And my website is reconnectedrelationship.com. Okay. So and we will put these in, I'll put these in the show notes as well. All right. So thank you, Shannon, so much. Um, I just, I think this is just wonderful information and you're providing so many people with hope. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. I'm so happy to have been able to be on here with you and chit chat with you today. It was fun. Thank you for tuning in to the Beautiful Behavior Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show or previous shows, I would so appreciate you subscribing and leaving a review. I am so grateful for all of you listeners who are joining me here for these conversations because I believe it's through these type of conversations that we start to shift the paradigm, creating a more loving and compassionate world. I hope you will join me here each week as we discover new ways to show up in our lives and create a bigger impact. And if you are ready to take this to the next level, head on over to my website at diannesorensen.net. Again, that's D-I-A-N-E-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N.net. Get on my calendar and see how you can be supported and if we're a good fit so that you can get out of survival and into thrival. Change is possible and I've got you.